The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to the Barca Blagranas podcast. My name is Josh. Today we have a very special episode. I am going to be joined by Emil Avanesian, a writer um, for hardwoodhype.com and Barca Blagranas. Um, he lives in Barcelona, moved out there late last year. And so we're going to talk about life in Barcelona, um, how things have changed, how the, um, the local fan base is kind of perceiving the way that um, FC Barcelona are reacting to things. Um, a re- potential return to football at some point and the the problems around that and more. So be sure to check out Emil's stuff at Hardwood Hype on Twitter and hardwoodhype.com. And um, let's get into the, inter- the interview. Uh, side notes. Um, so the there is a little bit of lag. Um, I think going from you know my location in the U.S. to Barcelona for some reason, there was just a little bit of latency this morning um, when we recorded. Um, so hopefully it's not too bad. Uh, thanks for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. Alrighty, I am joined by Emil Avanesian. He is the editor and founder of Hardwood Hype, an occasional contributor to Barca Blagranas. Emil, how are we doing? Well, Josh, how are you? I'm doing pretty good, man. So we wanted to have you on. Um, you have written some wonderful pieces for your sites specifically the piece I wanted to point out, um, and we'll talk about it later, is you've done a pretty cool series on Messi and the Hattricks. Um, people can check that out at hardwoodhype.com as well as at your Twitter, at hardwoodhype. Um, so you are located in Barcelona, correct? That's right, yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm originally from L.A., and then, uh, then I, you know, at, uh, in 05, I moved to New York for a little over 14 years, and then six months ago, actually, my wife and I... Um, relocated to Barcelona and we did the whole thing like the, the visa process and everything else and just uh, relocated to Barcelona. Well, you, uh, you picked an interesting time to move there. Um, did you get it? <laughs> did you get like a taste of life in Barcelona before all this hit? I guess you probably would have had what, like a month and a half. Uh, no, we actually had a little bit more. So we, had, we arrived at the end of October and sort of the, the official, kind of lockdown happened on March 13th. So we had about three and a half months. Uh, the last, I would say maybe the last like week, week and a half here, it was starting to get sort of a little touch and go, but not, it wasn't anything sort of panicky or, you know, kind of, uh, you know, anything too wild. But I'd say maybe the, from the second week of March on, everyone started getting sort of a little bit more, I don't know, just I, I guess aware of, aware of the inevitable kind of what was coming and that we were going to have to do some sort of show. So the good thing is we had December, January, and February. And uh, so we were able to really kind of soak it up for uh, for a little over three months. Sure, sure, sure. 
when did like I guess when did it start to feel different? Like, was it, was there specific action that was put in place or did like, I guess you said kind of the feeling around the city started to change. Like did life change before you kind of realized it was hitting or, um, did you kind of know it was coming before action actually started taking place? So we kind of knew, I mean, it was in the sense that, um, so to give you an idea the night before lockdown, which I guess lockdown officially started here, I guess it was Friday, the Friday, the 13th of March. Ironically. Um, yeah, right. And uh, so, but that Thursday night, uh, we were actually out. We had, you know, we we had drinks. We kind of we walked around, went out for dinner, everything. Like it was just, by and large, like it was. It, you maybe could say that the foot traffic on the streets was just a tad lighter, but it wasn't. It wasn't anything crazy. And then the next day, uh, my wife went to the grocery store, and she texted me from the grocery store saying, like, "Hey, it's kind of a madhouse here. You might want to." you might want to get in here because we might need to do a sort of a, a huge shopping trip. So I hustled over there and everything. And um, then the news kind of broke that afternoon. Um, just someone like a, a local guy here that we're friends with, uh, I ended up chatting with him that afternoon. It was, and the word came down and five o'clock on that Friday, the 13th, they, um, everyone was ordered to, to shut down. So what had preceded that was, um, Madrid, you know, so sort of in, in the context of Spain, the, the most hard hit area was Madrid. And, um, you know, apparently the, the situation there until until recent weeks uh, was was really, really bad. And also we kept kind of hearing regularly and seeing all the, the news reports and sort of the accounts out of Italy. Um, you know, sort of, you know, Milan being the sort of the epicenter there. And so just the idea that you know, kind of where we're situated, um, we just kind of figured that it was either inevitable that that COVID was going to kind of break out here, or at the very least, if we didn't have a massive outbreak, we'd still probably have to do something just to try to nip it in the bud. Sure. And like, I guess, how, how are people there viewing um, Barcelona, the football club's reaction to everything? Because I know like at first there was um, the weird controversy around like, you know, players taking wage cuts and then like Messi made some veiled comments. Like how are locals viewing the club's reaction to things? And I think the, and the, the, the odd thing is that your, your access to, to lo- my, my access to locals has kind of been, uh, you know, sort of been choked off. Yeah, because we're, that's, we're that's fair. Stuck at home. <laughs> Yeah, but um, but sort of uh, what I can gather just because uh, I do pick up you know pick up the local papers every so often and read those and I'll read stuff online and stuff. I mean, I think uh, by and large, I think the um, and kind of the the whole situation upstairs at the club has been sort of murky and messy for you know no pun intended kind of a you know a little murky for for a while. You know, with with Bartomeu and the you know the, the the wave of monumentally large signings that have simply not worked out and are going to have to be you know sold at bargain basement prices and stuff like that. So I think it's already there's a little bit of an there's a little bit of kind of an eye roll and sort of a an acknowledgement that charge um, aren't you know perhaps I you know the the ideal people for the job sure. and. Um, but um, I mean, I think the, the the team itself, the players themselves, uh, the way that Messi came out, and I think it was, like you said, I mean, he made the veiled comments, but he also sort of just attacked the whole question head on. 
and sort of said that, no, we're not being told what, we, what to do. We've been talking about this ourselves. No one's actually, you know, we're not sitting here trying to, trying to hoard our wages and, you know, having these guys tell us what to do. Like we've already, we've actually already been talking about this. And I mean, I think like, it, I mean, generally it's one, I think it would be kind of in line with what you'd expect Messi to say. I mean, maybe the, the shots at the, at the board were a little bit, uh, a little bit more aggressive than you'd expect, but otherwise, I mean, I think um, it's it's in character with kind of who he's always been presented as being and who he's always been. And I mean, I think he'd have to go such a long way for any kind of uh, he said she said situation to not fall Leo's way. Sure. Um, has anything started to like? I guess with the football club, like, are people? And I guess you included in this, obviously, like has has the has the discussion kind of shifted from like when is football returning towards like transfer stuff yet? Or is it still kind of like the discussions mainly around like when's football returning? Because I know like in the coverage around a lot of things, the, you know, when are things returning um, on the pitch has it's like it's still there, but it's not nearly as prevalent as it was early on because I still think people are playing it like day to day kind of thing. Like, are are people still talking about like Neymar every day, or are you kind of like feeling, um, kind of the the when is football returning weight is still there, and that's the main storyline. I think the so I think it's it's twofold. I'd say it's probably over you know overwhelmingly or i'd say at least majority sort of when is it coming back and what is it going to look like when it when it does because i think it's been roughly is it a week give or take i mean maybe five six days or something since the uh players have been able to go back to training and they had the whole you know there was the news about what the protocols would entail so it was i mean i guess there's everything from the the guys go to the stadium the first time they go or i think they get tested every time they go or the first time they go and, you know, periodically thereafter. Um, and there's everything from the car that you use to go to the stadium. The first time must be the car that you use every subsequent time you go back. And, um, I guess no one's showering and changing at the stadium yet. So you have to show up in your training gear, train, get in your car and go home. And so, I mean, I think there was so much around that kind of, you know, what is this going to look like? Now there's, you know, there's sort of all these ongoing debates about, you know, what's it going to look like when it comes back? I mean, I think there's no sort of uh, Premier League style, um, uh, I guess, Set range stone of date. options. Yeah. yeah. And, and even like the, the idea of like, they're not talking about doing some sort of like large, uh, you know, for all the players in some sort of camp and, you know, all 20 teams hang out there or something. I mean, I think by and large, it would probably just be a a simple, quote unquote, behind closed door situation. Um, so Javier Tebas, the uh, the president of La Liga, I think he'd initially hoped he'd said something. I, uh, my 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 recollection is that he had initially said that he hoped to have uh, La Liga back up and running by June the twelfth. Now the most recent thing that I've heard is that. You know, if the numbers keep improving and, you know, knock on wood, the numbers have uh, improved pretty drastically in uh, kind of across Spain. Uh, Catalonia and Barcelona itself, um, from what I can gather, wasn't terribly hard hit. It was a lot more sort of the the surrounding regions of Catalonia. And then, you know, sort of there was Madrid and uh, I think Valencia was hit a little bit too. Mm -hmm. And um, so uh, provided the 
provided the numbers keep uh, keep trending in the right direction and, and things like that. But what I'm hearing now is tentatively June 20th. Now that's unsubstantiated, you know sure. what I mean? But that's kind of the, the latest sort of trial balloon that's been thrown out there. Um, being said, sort of the, the newspapers, so whether it's Mundo uh, um, Deportivo or, um, you know, there's Marca and Ass and Sport and all of them, they they still sort of are sharing their their headlines between when's football coming back and uh, and transfer. Yeah. Um, it's predominantly Neymar and Lautaro. Mm-hmm. And then um, and then there's questions of sort of what do we do with like the uh, these ultra expensive, not quite working out situations. Yeah. Uh, namely, you know, Coutinho and uh, and the belly, I guess. Yeah, and so, I mean, so there, there's a lot of there's a lot of that. And, yeah, um, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. So, like, and I, I guess, like you mentioned, you're an NBA guy. Before we started recording, like, I think mm-hmm. one of the interesting things to me is like, I think Adam Silver. It, it was either reported or something. Someone said basically, like, how are we going to react? Like, basically, like if there's when there's a positive case. Um, like how is that yeah. going to impact returning? Like you have to assume that's going to happen. And so like if your plan like entails all these, like you mentioned all the precautions that they're planning to take, like in terms of showering at the stadium or the same car you drive. And I, I guess like the entire plan can't revolve around like, like all those precautions should be there, but it can't be there under the assumption that you're not going to have one positive case. Because if you get one positive case and then you're like, ah, eh, guess we're shutting it down. That just seems like such a waste of time to me. And so I'm interested to see. Um, and, and again, like all the sports leagues here in the U S are still trying to figure all that crap out. And I'm fascinated to see how they plan for that. And if they even <laughs> acknowledge it, or if they just think they can actually keep it out of the league completely, which would just seem ridiculous to me. And I think that would, that yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you there. I mean, I think the level of wishful thinking, just to assume that simply by taking, you know, good, necessary precautions, that you can completely eliminate the risk of this actually, you know, afflicting, you know, because it's, there's players, there's, you know, uh, training staff, there's coaches, and you know, even to play a game in an empty stadium requires probably, I mean, I don't know the exact number, but I imagine at the very least it requires dozens of people to just get the stadium into some sort of shape where you can, where you can play a competitive game. And so, you know, there's, it's, I feel like on, on some level it would just be inevitable that someone connected with, with the game or connected with a club would be, um, would probably end up testing positive at some point. I mean, you hope not, but yeah. I mean, I think six players have already tested positive in La Liga. There was a, there was a report from. It was Sport. all the Valencia guys. Was it okay? Yeah, because I the yeah, the thing I saw was like a week ago. Okay. Oh, I don't know if there's been any subsequent. I know sort of the uh, because so one thing that they've said too is if you recall, uh, so the week before, I guess the week before everything shut down, before football kind of stopped, and before Spain shut down. Um, Valencia had played a Champions League game in Italy against Atalanta, mm-hmm. and they actually played it in uh, Milan. Yeah, and so, so like thirty five hundred Valencia fans traveled to Milan, which was the hardest hit city in Italy with with COVID, and then came home. Yeah, and so, um, 
So, I mean, in the aftermath of that, I think there was like three or four guys on the Valencia team that were, uh, that tested positive. Um, there haven't been any, uh, so nobody on Barcelona or Espanol, and, you know, as far as I've been following, there haven't been any uh, first division cases that I've read about, and excuse me if I'm wrong about that. Yeah, I think that changed. So, like, last week there was a report from Sport that said five La Liga players had tested positive, um, and I think that was from RAC1. I don't know if there have been subsequent reports on that. Um, I think they said that the Barcelona, they did confirm that no player from Barca had tested positive. And then um, I think two players, or three players from La Liga and two players from um, Segunda tested positive. So again, like if your plan revolves around no one testing positive, like that's already changed and um, they're, they're still all at home and, you know, summer training. But I don't know, man. I, I really don't know how how they resume under any assumption that like people aren't going to get it. Um, I don't I mean, know. The, the, the something else that I read, I mean, it just kind of the last night of this morning was that kind of committed to the fact. So I mean, I guess right now the whole, the whole plan is to salvage what you can to, to avoid having to give back TV money. And um, so, I mean, I guess they, so the Liga is tentatively sort of committed to or embrace the idea that, fans in stadiums won't be a thing until at least the start of 2021. Mm-hmm. I mean, not next season, but presumably January yeah. 21. And so that's kind of, and I mean, so much of this is so kind of wait and see because, I mean, we keep talking about it. I mean, it's like the, the running, almost like the running internet joke too. It's like, it's only been two months since we shut down. It's like every week brings some sort of, seismic shift in in what we know and what we think we know and kind of you know how long we think this is going to go on yeah is there even like an excitement for return of football or is it kind of just like at everyone's so consumed with like what's right in front of them is that even being like i guess is there like some sort of buzz at this point or it's probably still too far off to even have a buzz yeah i mean i think it's as much as anything i mean to have it back as sort of as a I guess as an entertainment diversion you know what I mean mm-hmm. and just, just I mean the, the one thing and I can only sort of speak to Barcelona and specifically the neighborhood that we live in is that um, by and large like everyone has been kind of playing ball with lockdown you know I mean it was um, when it was full lockdown you can't go for walks or anything like that I mean, it legitimately, unless you were going to a pharmacy or a grocery store, it was a legitimate ghost town. And then they've started, they've relaxed things over the last couple of weeks a little bit. Like uh, kids can go out with their parents. Uh, that was that was permitted about a week. I said, oh, no, I mean, that was maybe two weeks ago. And then I'd say about a week and a half ago, um, the windows were opened up where people could go for walks. So um, based on sort of your, your age and certain like, you know, uh, things like that. You can either go in the and we can go in the morning and in the evening. And really, you notice outside of these time slots, people really are kind of following. Like they're they're taking all of these precautions and all of these rules really seriously, you know. And you don't you know you don't see people. You see a lot of people on their balconies hanging out. I mean, like my wife and I call referred to going out as taking a bottle of wine out, out onto the balcony. <laughs> and we've we've made friends with like we've gotten to know the neighborhood. You know, like just. Uh, 
because there's a building full of balconies across the street and we've gotten to know our neighbors and the and the, the kids across the street and you know things like that um but so in that sense sort of i mean i think everyone's taking every precaution necessary and nobody wants to sort of you know jump the gun and blow it and like i said i mean particularly i think uh barcelona hasn't from what i can gather so i mean a lot of times they don't even break out the barcelona numbers they'll just do catalonia as a whole which if anything kind of seems encouraging because if barcelona was bad they would presumably break out specifically the largest city but um so it, it seems like kind of the 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 wave that hit here wasn't wasn't terribly bad and i think everyone's kind of cognizant of that and doesn't want a retroactive you know, hot spot here. Sure. Um, I mean, I think, I mean, I think everyone's willing to just kind of wait, you know, more or less kind of as, as long as it takes, you know what I mean? It was, yeah. um, and everyone's kind of be excited. There's news that it's coming back and things like that. But, um, I don't know. I mean, I think it's, if anything, too, the, the talk of it coming back is, at least for me, I, I get kind of a boost from it um, as, as a sign that things might be improving. The fact that they're even able to entertain such ideas rather than um, strictly talking about, um, you know, the, the tragic kind of the death numbers or infection numbers and things like that. And we're able to even actually consider sort of phases of life post lockdown. I just think that is sort of a, as an broadly, but uh, if we have to wait an extra month or two to, to watch football, it's like it'll, you know, that'll suck, but it, it's for the greater good. Yeah, sure. And so I, I've been asking everyone this, uh, Neymar or Latoro, if you have to pick one. Um, I am, uh, like, Neymar fan, and uh, and the fact that he sort of was so perfectly attuned to to Messi, and they played together so well, and I think also the not even there yet because like Messi still scored you know more than a goal per game I believe <laughs> this past season, but kind of as as Messi's game transitions at some point in the future. Uh, he's invariably going to be the greatest playmaker in the world, probably, at that point. And the fact that Neymar is so talented, you know, I mean, he's a great goal scorer, so skilled, and the two of them have worked together in the past and um, have a genuine affinity for one another. Um, I'm a, I'm kind of leaning Neymar, Um I mean, Lautaro is a fantastic player, but what what kind of bothers me is the, and I don't want to put everything on the on the doorstep of kind of the the suits and the current regime, but I, I look at Lautaro and I'm like, okay, so we've had you know, there's been a Coutinho, there's been a Dembélé, there's been uh, Malcolm, and now there's you know, there's the Arthur to Juventus rumors, and you know, just. There's, there seems to be no shortage of optimistic big money signings that come in, and whether you know whether the guys that are selecting them are screwing it up or you know or kind of the 
the coaching and the system and whatever or fitting in with Messi is not working out, whatever it is. I mean, there's just been a long string of swings and misses. At the very least, um, Neymar is sort of, he's a generational talent and he has thrived here. And as far as both the media environment and fitting in with Messi and, you know, the both of them are essentially kind of writing each other love letters in the press every chance they get. So I would kind of, uh, I would lean that way. Yeah. The more I think about it, I think the more I agree with you is that like they're, there are a few, I actually can't literally think of one player who would be more of a surefire signing at that price point um, or even close to that price point than Neymar because you've already seen it work. Um, Latero yeah, is like yeah. a better long-term prospect, obviously, but like you said, like if you're trying to maximize the next like three years of Messi's career, um, there aren't really any players I would rather have than Neymar. And I mean, I think the, the thing with that is like... Um, a, I think it would maximize the next three years of Messi's career. You know, presumably, if we use kind of three years as the point of like sort of the the tenure that Messi has left as this absolute sort of peak, like you know, time bending genius. And then beyond that, I think, um, like I said, I mean, I think the the way Messi plays, he's even as a little bit of his pace has gone. You know, he hasn't lost that much, but as, as he's lost, you know, a little bit of his face, you just see him, you know, he's the greatest passer ever, and he's the greatest sort of uh, seer of angles ever. And so I think in addition to those three prime years, I think it would allow for, you know, sort of a, a lengthy stint, probably kind of as long as Messi would want as um, sort of a, a midfield, you know, a pseudo midfield puppeteer type. And I think it would almost open the door, too, to, uh, and I know it's not sort of the, the Barca, sort of the, the quote Barca way, but you can almost just get like a big, kind of big in the box, sort of a, a traditional old school striker, poacher type, because mm-hmm. I think Messi would, uh, Neymar would cut so much of the, um, the, the wing play and things like that and create width, and he could create space in the box for just a big dude who scores a ton of goals. Yeah, I agree with you. That's all good stuff. Um, everyone, you can follow Emil at Hardwood Hype on Twitter. Check out his website, hardwoodhype.com. I've just been browsing it this morning. Some great NBA and football contents. Um, Emil, thank you for joining us, and we will be sure to have you on in the future. Gosh, thank you so much. I really, anytime you want to have me back, I am uh, more than happy. And uh, I would say that uh, on Hardwood Hype, actually tonight, the uh, the third series of Messi Hat Tricks is going to go up. But, uh, but, uh, I was a little bit delayed, but it's the third of nine because thank you to Leo for uh, <laughs> basically scoring a number of hat tricks that is easily divisible by six. So, uh, <laughs> absolute pleasure. There we go. And I will, um, I'm going to put a link to the second um, six of the Messi, Messi hat trick series um, in the post. And be sure to check that out, everyone. Thanks for listening.